Fe, KPFB in Berkeley, and KFCF in Fresno. And you can hear us on the World Wide Web at kpfa.org. And now it's time for Cover to Cover with your host, Nina Serrano. Welcome to Open Book. I'm your host producer, Nina Serrano. Today's focus is on Lenore Weiss's cell phone poems with soundscape and music by Paul Kirk. It's called Cell Phone Poem, and I welcome to the Open Book microphone the author, Lenore Weiss. Hi, Lenore. Hi, Nina. It's great to be here. So glad that you could come. What was the concept behind this cell phone poem project? It was around the time I was a young mother commuting to San Francisco every day. And all of a sudden, well, it seemed over more and more of a period of time, these new dot-com toys were emerging. These cell phones and people were talking on them everywhere. And as a young mother, I just wanted to get home and pick up my kids. And they were intruding on me everywhere. So eventually what happened was people started talking not only on the bus and BART and the street, but in the bathrooms. And at one point, I just threw my hands up and said, I have to write about this. And so you did. And so I did. And then you got Paul Kirk to write the music and create the soundscape? Yes, I approached Paul. Uh, he's a, a composer, and we started working on this project together with the idea that it would ultimately be performed. You described to me that the cell phone project was a journey. You started one place, you ended another. Tell us about that. Well, my initial revulsion with the cell, with the cell phones everywhere intruding on my uh, on my world i got to the place where i understood what was happening more for me which was a real change in the definition of public and private space that we were literally living our lives out in front of each other and there was no place to hide the decorum that that had defined the way we were in our private and public spaces was gone, no more. <laughs> so I understood that all of a sudden we were hearing each other and this illusion of our separate worlds was really being broken down and that it was a challenge in some way whether we wanted to step up to the plate that we were living our lives together and rather than in our separate bubbles. And I think the cell phones have really made that obvious. And I think that it's time now to let other people hear it. I myself found it quite fascinating. You're about to hear Lenore Weiss's 
cell phone poems.
don't get it. Why'd he say he'd get in touch when he didn't? When the next set starts, he said he'd call. That was three weeks ago. Sitting. I'm almost there. I'm looking out the window. Take out. You told me you didn't want to cook. I don't want to either. Pick me up. No. Rice. A few minutes. Stop screaming. I got it. Leaning against the parking meter. Looking at a car that's not mine. But it's a nice car. Two-seater. Taxi cab. Yellow sports coupe. Blinking. Aren't I hot? From his taillights. And if you follow the arc spreading his wings, two molded lines that meet a hood, which is to say, it's lunchtime. Hungry for a sandwich with pickles and stone ground mustard dripping from the side of a sourdough roll that's been cut into two halves folded over roasted turkey. But then I can't, I couldn't talk on the cell phone. My ear pressed into the metal, my ear picking up signals, listening for a voice that's not there. Another call says, right, I robbed banks for two years straight. They never caught me except on camera. I dressed up whenever I did a job. The kids were in San Francisco with their grandmother. Once they started school, I'd hoped there'd be more time for me to pull off the big one. Wearing heels, a sheath, maybe a skirt. I was working in the public sector, so I had to dress the part. Because my kids needed things, and I needed them. So there you have it. Sure, I have skills. I could have checked off a bunch of boxes. But that'd be like sticking a pin up my piñata. On mornings when I walked to the window, I was the leading lady instead of him giving me orders. My husband with no hands in his heart. A man who never got me except between a rock and a bed. After I went solo, he starts calling me on the cell phone saying how much he loves me. I didn't need to hear that. I was number one. But his calls turned me into the cell phone bandit. And then all the law wanted a piece. I've become too good at my own game. Brought more thanks than I even had birthdays. I can taste salt on your shoulder as you entered me like you were throwing a duffel into the back seat of a car. Neither of us ever looked back. Once I jumped from a cliff, I had time to fly. I was a fly girl. You so looked down on me. Burned sage, smudge sticks in the house. Drank vodka and pomegranate juice. Spliced my heart. Saw it beating. There was no getting past you. This number will always have static. Thank you.
again because it needs to be repeated like a bobblehead that keeps waggling its eyes at me about time, about him, about me, about place. A woman warmed her nose inside a tunnel of fingers. She saw eye gougers, pliers for ripping ears, a necklace of nails. There was a small door in a large wall covering the spot where something breathed. On Hitler's birthday, he'd serve cupcakes iced with red swastikas to a guest with 1,000 eyes. Now the interrogator gets close, drenched in contempt. The only thing protecting her was his jet lag. Later on, burning tires floated down a river of oil. Others sold images of the Virgin on grilled cheese sandwiches. About time. About love. About face. About now. It keeps coming up. Memory extends my hair to the next country. Call me ASAP. It's me. All my important numbers, ringtones, Daffy Duck and Pastures of Plenty, Besame Mucho and Beethoven. All my significant others gathered beneath one roof, a press away, distilling voices into the daily grind, blinking when its cell runneth over with voice and text messages, videograms, eyes closed shut, or an abandoned meth lab there for all to see. My whole life stripped down to ankle bracelets, from single shining chip to shining chip. I'm here walking down the supermarket aisle where the strawberry yogurt meets the fish counter. Why do you think containers of yogurt are near the fish counter? Those two things don't go together. The yogurt sauce over salmon is the closest I've ever come in my whole life to anything like that. But I don't think it was yogurt. Maybe cream cheese? I'm here sitting on the bus counting my change. The queen is eating bread and honey. I, I said that to be funny. I'm here speaking to you from the dental chair. In the few minutes I have left to me before the dental assistant sticks blue goop in my mouth. I'm here, but I'm almost ready to leave. I've been here all day, standing in line. What do you mean, what tickets? They're the ones for Andy's birthday. This weekend he was coming in from Fresno and we were going to take him out. Remember? I'm sitting in traffic. Actually, I'm sitting in my car listening to the radio and all I can see are brake lights. It'll be hours until I can return to my reality show. I'm here, but I want to be home. 
waiting to get the call in the fumes of the Caldecott Tunnel or along the MacArthur Maze where I'm queued up to pay the bridge toll. In traffic, listening to the radio CD player boombox in the car next to me. Cell phone ringing, waiting for speakers to announce the doctor's diagnosis. I need surgery, got the job, when I'll be moving, need to pick her up, and what the hell I'm supposed to do now? I have nothing to remind me, should have saved your messages, water under the bridge, going over in a bucket, everything freezes until coffee spills, my head is hot. Today I'm sitting in the back of the 72-hour bus with a woman talking to her mother. I know because she keeps saying, Mom, I love you, Mom. You have to believe in God and ask for help. The good daughter of San Pablo with blonde highlights gets off at the same stop as I do, but jumps on another bus spreading her message. The cell phone in my purse is ringing. My mother died years ago. So on the day of the eviction, three sentinels stood at the edge of the parking strip. Almost a year since your father had died, on a Sunday that stretched into police reports, when sunflowers in the backyard spit their black and white seeds into my face. You hugged me then, mostly because you didn't know what else to do, before you crawled beneath the linoleum and subflooring and buried yourself hissing my name. Go away, you are a mother of heads. You said other things to me I can't repeat because I'm a mother. And because I'm trying to remember how you're my son who taught me the miracle that life is. I'm not sure when you started to hate with the green stare of a cat's eye marble who'd already dismissed me from my post. I don't know how a child can even do that. You who discovered pill bugs beneath every rock and tame snails, always searching for more through mint and calendulas, maybe learning from them how to hide your terror. Are you listening? Can you even hear me? Calling to find out if I can go pearl diving this evening inside your mouth. As I sit on a chair that dreams of becoming a crocodile climbing the hills that turn into a bridge connecting two short points to a distance as I wrap my legs around whatever it is we can become. Me? Fine. I know. You? Okay. Great. Just for today? So I'll come over maybe in a few hours. Around dinner? We'll sell plastic bags with our clothes for people in New Orleans. 
take them to Grand Lake Theater anytime from the morning commute hour all through the night. the great mall and use a credit card with a revolving account that turns pennies into gold and gold into health plans. Taller than I ever thought possible. Slinky with thighs like Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat. Living at the edge of a culvert where security systems cook dinner for the homeless. A member of my own special forces unit carrying a knapsack of turkey bones wrapped in tin foil. The power to grow apartments from pizza crusts. Feeding a voice inside my computer so I sound like Stephen Hawking on a good day. Standing at midnight in the Garden of Eden wondering what God was doing before he broke out the world. I called officials from Tokyo, just like you advised, gave an interview on primetime. Also an anchor in New York who wanted to know what I'd eaten for breakfast, as if viewers hadn't heard enough about cereal bars inside the shuttle. We discussed the wing heat shield, the anchor wanted to know how it's possible to peel foam so thin it's like sand. I told him carefully. We laughed. But when I talked about Earth from outer space, where air appears thinner than the pulsing white of an eggshell, how the planet's scalp is scarred with the stump of ridges, the anchor talked to me during commercial break. He said, to can it. You, who allowed me to see creation, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I am an old voice that seeps through stone, one stone at a time. I am the so-called old man that has heard way too much speaking for myself. Whenever I open my mouth, it's biblical. Who knows what to say? Do you think it's easy for me sounding like this all the time? Oh, now you've done it. Are you satisfied? You don't have to sound like me. For God's sake, you're an astronaut. Moses talked the same about not knowing what to say. What do you need? Some kind of staff? Keep repeating the same thing you know. People here inside their own holding pattern because who wouldn't want to be held? Love catches throats and strings them up with their own sound rather than being loved. It's so much easier. poem is music, how we sound as we dial, talk, text, message, and the breath between, the warm bath of lymph nodes that keeps lines open in our groins, back and forth between listening and expression, at right angles, broadcasting, I and thou, me and you, perched on a molded cornice where a voice speaks its essay. Hold on, hold on, a soul shift does not occur in the limelight, it comes from shadow. The planet will heat up, species will die, but when, and how many, and can we change? Oh, 
You just heard Lenore Weiss's cell phone poem with soundscape and music by Paul Kirk. Well, welcome back to the microphone. Hi there. <laughs> that was really, really fascinating. This is my fourth listen, and uh, I forgot to tell listeners that we did have to delete if they heard any strangeness. That's because we did have to delete two words that didn't agree with the FCC uh, censorship policies. And I, I offer both you and the listeners my apologies for that, but it's unfortunately necessary. It was a, a really fascinating piece, and as I said, this is my fourth listening. And uh, on the on the second or third, I actually found a lot of humorous places and found myself laughing. It's really a fascinating piece. I wonder what plans you have for it. Well, Paul and I, Paul Kirk and I, have been approaching different dance companies because the ultimate concept is to have the piece performed. So we are still searching around for a good match there. Sounds interesting. Any other writing projects coming up? Uh, yes. I actually have a forthcoming book of poetry from Pudding House Publications, and it's entitled Shema Yisrael, and it's uh, different than this. Uh, a, a lot of this work comes out of what I've been doing the last several years as Middle East Peace Coordinator for Kihila Community Synagogue. And as a Jewish writer, I really feel that it's important at this point in my life to write as a Jew and to approach the whole situation about what it means to be Jewish living in a very violent world. So that's what uh, that group of writing is addressing. And then I um, also have plans to work with Sarah Crowell. And Sarah, if you're out there, uh, shout-outs. Uh, uh, Sarah's the executive director of Destiny Art Studio here in Oakland. And after listening to the cell phone poem, Sarah invited me to possibly work with the teens in developing their own. Well, that sounds very exciting, and we'll be looking forward to hearing more about it and more about your new book. Uh, thank you so much, Lenore. This has been really interesting. I mean, I think that soundscape and those cell phone poems are talking about exactly what all of us are experiencing out there. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome, Nina. It's been my pleasure. Well, this has been Nina Serrano, and I want to thank you all for listening, and I want to thank Sally Phillips for board-opping. And I want to tell you that next week, we want you to tune in on Friday, January 12th at 3 p.m. on Cover to Cover Open Book, when we'll honor the renowned author Telly Olson, 
who passed away on January 1st, 2007 in Oakland, California, just before her 95th birthday, will present a treasure we found in the archive of Tilly Olson reading from her novel, Yo No Nindo, most of which Tilly Olson wrote when she was only 19 years old in the 1930s, and it was finally published in 1974. You can hear it next week at 3 p.m. on KPFA on Cover to Cover, Open Book. Thanks for listening, and this has been Nina Serrano wishing you a very, very wonderful 2007. Oh, one night stand, single page, dead end street, first and only never to be repeated passion. Here, the sum is equal to the total, singularity defeating multiplicity. The single swallow outdistances the flock. A single word brushes aside the entire poem. Here the tiny drop possesses greater power than the entire rainstorm. Purity and perfection built upon the single rock of the one-night stand. Joe Frank, he's all yours. Join him for the stories after dark. Sunday nights on KPFA. Joe Frank at 9 p.m. on Sundays here at 